Hello, my friend. Welcome to Jackson Talks, everybody. The podcast to help you feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, aka Jackson Stone, and my mission is to help you realize your potential through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. John Enright joins the show this week. John has been working with our youth for the last 20 years in the nonprofit space. And we talk deeply about how important it is to align our words and actions to embody and model the characteristics we wish our youth to portray. We talk about overcoming obstacles, developing a growth mindset, and really loving ourselves. This podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products daily. So hit the link in the show notes. Use code JacksonTalks at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now, on to episode 134 of Jackson Talks, everybody. This is Jackson Talks, everybody. I am your host, Aaron Mashbitz, also known as Jackson Stone. John, welcome to the show. So, my friend. Hey. It's good to see you. It's beautiful to see you. Yeah. Thank you for coming over. You're welcome. You look lovely. I, I got to show up for you, my man. Yeah, if you're viewing uh, via YouTube, you can see John's real nice get up here. <laughs> Um, there is a purpose behind it, though. We'll talk about that later. There is a purpose. There is a purpose behind it. Okay. Do you want to get to it now or after my first question? Uh, no, I, I love the first because I, don't, I read, uh, the last episode I listened to, y'all got, I got into it, and then you were like, oh, yeah, my first question. <laughs> I don't want to break that flow of your first question because that's why I'm here. I love your first question. That's right. Uh, it's actually quite rare that someone comes on the pod and is a fan of the podcast before coming on. So it's cool that you listen. Yeah. Uh, and you know some of my questions that I'm going to ask. I do. <laughs> and so the first one, most important, most important question, mm-hmm. before we get into the meat and bones of why you're here, why February is important, things of that nature, and the work you do in a very similar field than I'm in, right? The service, sure. serving people, which which is a very hard field. Yeah. And if you listen to episode 133, which is with Donovan Taylor, who does some of the very similar work that you do, working with youth, empowering youth, trying to give them the tools to be their own best friend, it, it's very hard. Yeah. It's very hard. Outside of being an incredible honor, right, and a very big responsibility, it's hard. It is. And it can be really draining. And we probably ask this question to many more people than it gets asked to us. <laughs> and when people do ask it to us, it's kind of like a sort of in passing like a hey. Yeah. So hopefully now we have all the time in the world. Okay. I want to ask you this question. Okay. John, my friend. Yes. How how are you doing, really? How are you doing? I mean, uh, you know, it's it's always a funny question when I, when I get asked because, you know, there's so many things I want to say, mm-hmm. but then you have to govern it. But now, because I'm with my friend, I'm like, you know, life is okay. You know, life is is has its ups and downs you know i mean i'm dealing with you know my 17 year old mm. getting his learner's permit mm. i totally botched that yesterday 
completely. I didn't realize the amount of stuff you need yeah. to do that. That was frustrating. And right. fortunately, we got that taken care of. Um, Keep going. Okay. I felt like um, you know, my, my ex-wife, she moved away for a while. She's back in town. Yeah. And that's dealing with that relationship is sometimes difficult. Okay. Um, you know, which you were here from, from the beginning for that. Right. And thank you for that, by the way. I never have thanked you for being there for me for that. Mm. I appreciate it. Um, you know, so, and then work. You know, I'm my coworker left for another job, so I'm doing my job by myself now. And so there's just a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it takes a lot to be overwhelmed. And that's why the podcast with Donovan really just made it a lot for me and then that was my intention this year to really take some time for me it's been 20 plus years for me working with kids and youth and it's been a hard road and I've I've learned I've had to learn a long way to step back it's okay to say no it's okay to take care of yourself and so I'm getting there Um, but I mean I'm dealing with single dad and dating Mm -hmm. trying to figure all that out as a 44 year old man knowing what's it like to date again you know and that's been an interesting aspect as well but other than that man I've been good you know honestly it's been the goods outweigh the bads it's it's really um, you know I've, I've really tried to make that mindset of okay bad things happen what can I learn from them how can it be better how can I grow? And what is something positive I can take from it? Because my goal is to make a difference just one day at a time in somebody's life or bring some spot of joy to them in a day. Maybe they're having a bad day. Right. Has your has your mindset always been that way? Uh, not always. You know, uh, probably when I was a teenager, I was more focused on myself. Yeah. Um, playing team sports helped me a lot to focus on others. Um, when you play baseball, when you play football, you learn you can't do it by yourself. Right. You know, you you have to work with everyone else to be successful. And so that's where the, the mindset is. And then when I turned 18 and started in ministry um, at 18, doing youth, youth work and stuff along those lines, you begin to understand, oh, you know, there's there's more to this than just telling people about how to live their lives. You gotta have a mindset to do that because if not, you're gonna get beaten down. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad's been a very big proponent of uh, because I am a little bit of an emotional person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do that or not. Um, you know, just a touch. But uh, my dad always, you know, in his brain, he always puts this in my brain. He says, "It's not how you, uh, you react; it's how you respond." Meaning, take that moment to take a step back. And think about the situation. What's happening? How can you... Because my reaction would be punch him in the face or yell at him or whatever. Sure. But take that moment back for a second. Because if you do that, you might lose that person. Or you might just escalate things further. So let's take it back and go, hmm, okay. How can I respond in a way that lets them know I'm upset but doesn't make it make things worse? And that's probably been the last 10 years or so that I've really taking that mindset to heart to really you know connect with people and make a difference in some way yeah that's a that's a hard lesson to learn but once you do like there's so much freedom in it oh yeah and um there's a there's a famous book that was written a man's search for meaning 
read it. Yeah, by Viktor Frankl, yeah. right? He survived the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And he said he, in, in, in the Holocaust, one of the most horrific, tragic, terrible things that's ever happened on the face of the earth, even in that moment, he still has power over his response. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's like this little gap between stimulus and response. And if you have control in that gap how you wish to respond. And so in our everyday life, you can control that gap sort of through the breath. That's a very good one, right? And you can think about event plus response equals the outcome. So what, what do you want the outcome to be? Well, you can't control the event because it already happened. The thing already happened. The stimulus already happened. What's under your full control is your response. And of course, not every time we're going to respond in the correct manner. Of course, we're human. We make mistakes. We're, we're flawed, right? Perfect. Great. It's perfect to be imperfect. That's how it should be. And that's how it always will be. Uh, but if we, we can train ourselves to have sort of adapt that mindset to more often than not respond in the most healthy manner. Sure. So that in these sort of dire, challenging, hard, difficult situations, we're making the best choice for ourselves and for the people around us. Yeah, and that's the thing I think sometimes we forget that we think we're making a choice for us, but really our choice affects so many people around us. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we think it's just one or not, you know, as my dad also said, my dad has a wealth of wisdom that I get from him. Of course. Uh, he, 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 he says you have a sphere of influence. Sphere of influence. You know, and, and I mean, my dad did not go to college. My dad did not get an opportunity to do things that he wanted to, but he worked for those things. He taught himself business management. He taught himself the oil and gas business. He taught himself all these things where he had a 45-year career in oil and gas, taking care of people, building a business, all self-taught. But in that process, he says, I'm going to have a standard. This is what we're going to do. And everything I do affects people around me. Mm-hmm. That sphere of influence is important. And how I treat people is important as well. And so, you know, these are all things that, you know, when you're 15, 17, 18, even 20, we dismiss, we just don't mean whatever you're talking about. Right. But as we get older and we begin to get in the world and we're on our, on our own, we recognize the fact that those things are important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's where, man, the last probably five years is sphere of influence, respond, react, and all these other things have really brought my mindset to a, a new place to where I'm good. You know, honestly, with a lot of things and the positivity that comes from dealing with the negative, the things, the hurts that you hear from people's stories, it is hard, Mm -hmm. you know, but I try to make sure to take care of myself. Self-care is important. And then uh, to try to model that for my son, you know, as he goes forward to know it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be not okay. We need to talk. We need to share. Mm-hmm. And that's modeling that has made a huge difference in our relationship these last couple of years. Right. Because if your aim, you as John, if your aim is to embody and model the characteristics you want your son to portray, that means you're be very aware of your own self. So you have to be. If you're not modeling or if you don't think that you're, you have a sphere of influence or that you even matter, so what is anything, right? It's fuck it, I'm just gonna do whatever I want. Right. But if you, if you break it down to like the smallest possible thing you can and think about, okay, do I actually matter in this world? Like, 
the the answer is like resounding one million hundred thousand percent because every interaction you have even if it's in passing at a grocery store you just made a smile to someone right or it's like this small where you bumped into someone you're like excuse me i'm sorry please have a great day right any of that right all of those actions have so many compounding downstream effects so everything you do matters and it may be very daunting also because like everything you do matters <laughs> yeah right, right? But that's also like, then you want to take on that responsibility and, and be the person that you are capable of becoming. Mm-hmm. And so then when you break it down to like your small nuclear community, it's like you and your son. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do I want him to do when he's, how do I want him to behave when he's 30? Right. Or when he's around other people. Right. Right. I have to do those things. And also modeling in the same way you've done that we're, we're not, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall flat on our feet. We're, but how do we sincerely apologize? How do we admit when we're wrong? How do we work through our mistakes to grow from that? Right? right. Because one of those challenging things that you went through recently, it's still recent, still mm-hmm. new is, is a divorce. Yeah. Okay. Your son is watching that happen. So now what does he think about the idea of marriage? What does he think about the idea of love? How do you portray that to him so he can still find a partner? Yeah. And commit to someone for the rest of their, their life, even though it might not work. Mm-hmm. But am I willing to put in the effort to try? Yeah. Right? And those are all just really, really complicated things. Yeah, tell me about it. It's... You know, especially when you're dealing with, like, these very impressionable young people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, speaking of that. Yeah. You, you said at the, at the top that um, your ex-wife moved away and then moved back. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you navigating that situation? Uh, well, so far, so good. Uh, it's, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, Jacob and I borrowed, we, we went to my truck and helped her move some stuff out of storage to, she got an apartment in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we helped, we helped with that. You know, Beautiful. we have a relationship where we can talk and communicate and make sure of stuff. Uh, you know, she's chosen to be a little more hands off okay. with Jacob. Um, she didn't see him for a year, honestly. Um, when she was gone and um, it affected him mm-hmm. but we had conversations we worked on that she's back in town but you know I've told him it's okay if she has a conversation with you're not comfortable with if she does something you don't want to do it's okay to say no you know and if you're not comfortable with that you tell me and let me handle it I'll be I'm, I'm in your corner I've got your back mm-hmm. and I'll be the bad guy for you on that situation it's my job to protect you it's my job to be the shield so he understands which parent cares for him and which parent is just wanting to hang out and have fun sure. you know and so uh but other than that i mean it's been good you know we we were able to communicate we're not able you know we're not fuck you fuck you you know it's just hey you know she wanted to do something with him on sunday okay what time are you planning on coming to pick him up okay cool uh finding out i don't have the birth certificate as part of getting his learner's permit hey do you have that yeah i need it mm-hmm. like as soon as possible right she drove out and dropped it off very good you know knowing that hey we're working on the learner's permit we need that you know and so those which I should have had it to begin with since he's been with me the whole time but that's neither here nor there yeah um it's done we're taking care of it we're working forward on that um being able to be flexible and work with each other in those situations um but also setting boundaries Look, you can't have him out till whatever night on a school night. You know, Sunday, you need to have him back by 10 at the latest. You know, I know your thing goes to 9, but y'all need to be back because he's got school the next day. Mm -hmm. You know, there are responsibilities he has 
that I need you to be respectful of. Sure. You know, those kind of things. And then when she doesn't follow through, I have to do my part of upholding that. You know, which sometimes is hard. Uh, when you've dealt with someone where you've tried to please and please and you were never good enough for that and now because of therapy kind of thing I know where I stand and not but I'm not trying to again respond in a place of anger remembering those things Mm -hmm. but hey look you know I need you to show some respect to me with when I ask you to do this please do so yeah so it's been hard it's it's been a growth aspect for me but we've been able to handle that. So it's still fresh, her being back. She's been here a week, mm. week and a half maybe. You know, so that aspect is still a little fresh. It's still a little new. But so far, you know, we've been able to navigate it and have those conversations and know, yeah, we're good. You know, and that's that's been the good part so far is that we've been able to maintain that. But then that's also too, you know, and some people think it's weird, but... I know she doesn't have a lot of people to talk to. She doesn't have a lot of relationships. Um, so being able to be that person to kind of lend an ear for her and we're like, oh, that's your ex-wife. Why are you doing that? Well, because she's also the mother of my child. Right. I know some of the things that she deals with physically as well as mentally. Why, why would I not still let her vent or, or talk or whatever? Right. Because, uh, you know, I care for her. Because she does have a relationship with our son, and I don't want anything to affect that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't mind being her sounding board or, or whatever. Uh, it, but again, if there's something I feel is inappropriate, I don't want to talk about, I'll tell her so. Right. You know, but that's the important thing. Again, hopefully I'm making a difference in her life by showing her unconditional love even now, after the fact of our marriage didn't work, that's fine. But I'm still going to respect you as the mother of my child, and I'm still going to be here for you if you really, really need it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, treating her like a real human being regardless of the circumstances. Exactly. Seeing her humanity and knowing that you share a very special bond. Yes. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. That's very important. It is. Uh, How has your relationship with your son grown over the last couple years? You know, it's very interesting. When we started, uh, he didn't communicate a lot. He was in his room a lot. Uh, we we struggled sometimes when I would communicate things. Uh, he would just fight and fight. I mean, literally sometimes physically, you know, coming at me with you know wanting to physically fight. And I I understood that it wasn't because of me. It was because of the hurt he was dealing with. Mm. And so, him going to therapy, me going to therapy, us dealing with our things individually, coming together, learning to talk. Um, and share has really made a huge difference. He's in school. He was homeschooled for a while. Yeah. Um, and that was a whole muddle thing about when we got divorced, how that all worked. Sure. But got him into school. He's enjoying it and having a good time. He's doing welding. He's doing all kinds of good things. And, you know, he knows college isn't for him. He wants to work a trade. Great. And I think that's amazing. And I told him, yeah, I've never told you to do college. I told you to do what you want. I never told you to play sports. You do what you want. I had my time. I don't need you to relive the glory days. Right. I need you to find what it is you want to do. And he's thrived. He's found a Dungeons and Dragons group mm. that he plays with. Beautiful. Which I'm like, hey, cool. I love Dungeons and Dragons too. So we talk about Dungeons and Dragons and what they've done in group and just the different things that they're dealing with. Right. And so 
he's you know building friends and relationships and so I'm really proud of the young man he's becoming and and just the turnaround he's had and then just in our relationship the fact now he can talk and you know we had something the other day we came home uh, this past weekend we were in Houston we saw William Shatner mm. live it was wow. great it was so awesome we watched Rapicon and then William Shatner walks out on stage and we stayed with some family friends so Monday we drove back I took the day off of work and we drove back since he was off school we had a good conversation we get home and my in-laws had stayed and I love my brother-in-law but sometimes she doesn't necessarily think things through so apparently one of our dogs had pooped in the house mm-hmm. and she got coffee filters picked them up and flushed them down his toilet and, and it, which is also the guest toilet as well as his toilet and we didn't know that and so the toilet's clogged <laughs> and so I'm getting situated and I just I hear some stuff going on but I'm not at a place where I can get out right and the next thing I know I come in and he's got the tank off he's undone everything trying to figure out how to plunge you know how, what's going on with the toilet and I'm like buddy and he's he's just, he just frustrated uh, you know and he's he, he and he's still learning to ask for help sure and I was like so I was like buddy what's going on stupid toilet and I don't know why there are coffee filters here and I, I mean I'm like okay it's okay Babu and Nana they took care of the house let me call Babu oh can you do it I'm, well you're going to have to learn I'll do it this time but you're going to have to learn when you're angry to calm down so you can communicate with someone to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Call my father-in-law. Oh, no. Oh, wait. Cookie was there. She's in the dog's poop. She might have. She said she flushed. I was like, okay. No problem. I said, buddy, why did you take the tank off? Well, I'm trying to figure out. It's like, buddy, if it's clogged, you got to get the plunger. Did you do that? Yeah. Well, he thinks the toilet brush is a plunger. Ah. Uh. Well, and I have the toilet brush somewhere else in the house. I said, no, no, buddy. Let me go grab it. So I grabbed the toilet the plunger. We plunge it and everything's, but we have to put the tank and everything back together. And of course, you know, you got to make sure everything's tight or it's going to spray and leak. And, and he just, oh man, I was like, it's okay. Just calm down, retrace your steps, put everything back. And then we had a nice conversation afterwards about, look, when things break in this house, I appreciate the help. I mean, he's done stuff before. He's replaced the heating element on our dryer that is older than him. <laughs> Thank God. It's, those things have lasted so long. Uh, he's done that for me before. He's replaced an air filter. You know, he's done stuff before on my own. When I, I told him, hey, do you mind taking care of this? Or, hey, this came and I don't tell him to do it. He'll just grab it out of the mail, take care of it. Well, thank you, buddy. I didn't actually do that, but I appreciate it. And so I said, when something breaks in the house, you got to let me know. It's my job to worry about it. It's my job to get upset or figure out what we need to do because I'm paying for the house. It's the house's is I know it's our house, but it's in my name. It's my responsibility. There's nothing you need to get upset about. You let me handle that stress. You, I look, I understand you're frustrated. We've just been traveling. You come home and your toilet's clogged. That is frustrating. But there are other things in life that are more frustrating than this. This is just a moment. And we had a conversation. We talked a little bit because usually there's an underlying thing that he doesn't want to talk about. And we had that conversation and it was good. You know, to be able to have that. And I said, and he goes, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I just, I guess I needed a reset. You know, I, I know I need to come talk to you. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I was like, it's okay. We learn. As long as we learn from the situation, that's the important part. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, okay, thank you, Papa. I appreciate it. So sometimes showing grace and being that dad with him has, you know, whereas before, 
a year or two ago, he might have gotten up and started wanting to throw punches, mm. you know, and things like that. And there have been times where I've had to just calm him down, lock him down and be like, hey, stop. You need to listen. Calm down. I mean, when you have your kid in a hold and you're just, you've locked him down and you're having to tell him to calm down, it's scary. Right. You know, because, I mean, Jacob now, he's about my height, you know, and he's almost, he's not my size, but, you know, he's he's gotten bigger. And so it's just, you, I know what it's like to go into a rage. I, that happened when I was younger, when I was a kid. To see that in your child, knowing that was your makeup, it's scary almost in a way. Yeah. And I don't want that for him. You know, I've told him ever since he was little, and I don't know if this put too much pressure on him, but I said, I want you to be a better man than I am. Mm. That's my goal as a parent, is that I want you to be better than me. Hopefully I've instilled those gifts and talents and the, the um, values so that you can be better than I am. Right. You know, and so that's, that's always the, the struggle, the challenge. Like I said, I don't know if that put too much pressure on him or what. And parenting, you're never gonna get it right. You just have to learn and grow and every kid's different and you just got to do your best. And, you know, hopefully you've done enough to help your kid. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, like, it, like it says, you know, you can give them everything. It's always going to be there. It's just a matter of what they choose to do with it. Right. You know, you can give them whatever, whether it's scripture or values or whatever those things are. If they totally reject them, that's fine. But it's always going to be there. It's always going to be in the back of their head. Like with my dad, with the things that he's taught me that we talked about earlier, they're always in the back of my head. They're never not there. It's just a matter of what I choose to do with those things. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it relays back to what, you, what we talked about earlier, sort of modeling and embodying those behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, I know as a, as a coach of a youth baseball team that my words mean absolutely nothing if they're not lining up with my actions. Mm-hmm. If I tell my players, hey, it's okay after you make an error, it's okay after you strike out, but when it happens, I'm throwing my bucket of baseballs, I'm stomping on my hat, and I'm throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. That's, there's no alignment there. Those are so disjointed, and so then my one of my players on my team strikes out, or he makes an error, and he throws his helmet, he throws his glove. Or even deeper than that, he gets a bad grade on a test or he disagrees with his mom at home and now he's angry again. And she's like, where is this coming from? The, the kid doesn't know. He doesn't understand the translation. The mom doesn't get it because she's not relaying what's happening. But deep down, I, I know. If the mom were to tell me, I'm like, oh, he saw me do that over and over and over and over again. Even though my words were different, my actions were not. And so again, back to this idea, this might be the theme of this pod. We're not going to be perfect. No. 100% not going to be perfect. But if we are aiming to express the best version of ourselves, especially around young people, aligning up our words with our actions, and then when we do fall short of the mark, kids believe us and they're like, they're accepting and forgiving just like we can be of them mm-hmm. if we have built that sort of strong relationship where we trust each other, we believe each other, and for the majority of the time, our words have lined up with our actions. Yeah. Then, just like we all can be forgiving when people fall short of the mark or make a mistake or do something wrong, whatever the case may be is, then if we've built sort of that reputation of being able to cooperate and negotiate and tell each other how we feel, then our, our relationship actually gets stronger from that mistake. Just like we 
get stronger through the obstacles that we overcome. Yeah. And so that's the beauty of it all. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did have a follow-up question. Okay. About uh, your son and yourself uh, getting into therapy or counseling. Mm -hmm. how, did you, how did you introduce that to your son? Because a lot of young boys, I mean, a lot of men just in general, that's just not something that is easy to, what's the right word? Um, say easy, it's not something that's, that's like normal for us to partake in, right? right? Very helpful, of course, obviously, we all deserve help for our mental health, especially yeah. men who are going through a lot of things nowadays. Um, and young boys are sort of in a crisis and we're trying to help that. And, and this, whole, this whole idea of being a man mm -hmm. um, is, is it's like a very important topic to me. Sure. Uh, because I'm around young boys a lot mm -hmm. and I see how capable and strong they are but I also see some of the messaging that they're getting on social media that's telling them not to be a man that being a man is bad and so they're very confused they don't know which path to go on and then our mental health struggles because of that and we know the numbers the suicide rates all of those are out there you can look at them but then sort of trying to introduce this idea of of therapy and speaking about our feelings and coming to touch with our emotions while also still being competent and tough and capable and sort of toggling between both of these sides of this yin and yang of this masculine feminine. While I say all that, how did you introduce your son to this idea and, and was he receptive to it? Um, well, at first I modeled it. You know, I told him I was going to therapy. I told him I was getting help, that I just needed someone to talk to that I was comfortable with that wasn't anybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think uh, I told him I'd like for him to try it. You know, this because I knew we weren't having communication yeah. that we needed. And I said, look, this is someone. We went to the same facility, but we had different counselors. Mm. And I said, look, you're going to have this person. His name is Mr. Brian. And I, I figured a guy would be best for him. You know, rather than a female. Sure. Uh, for me, I needed a female counselor because I felt like I needed to know what did I do wrong? What did, you know, from a female perspective, this is who I am. What's wrong with me? Sure. And that really wasn't the case. But as I, from therapy, from my counselor, Angela, she, she showed me that it's not, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. We just need to learn how to connect and how to open up and how to share. And so in that process, as he dealt with Mr. Brian, he learned that it's okay to talk to him about stuff he's dealing with because Mr. Ryan's not going to tell me. Mm. You know, he has that safe space to go right. and really share of how he feels that his mom's gone or with me and that, he, you know, if I'm overbearing or, you know, things along those lines. And I never, and I told him, look, I'm never going to ask Mr. Ryan and Mr. Ryan won't tell me anyway. He loses his job. But, you know, that's your space. That's your time. And at the time he wasn't in school at the time, so we were a little bit more flexible with our times where we could go. But it, it came to the point where he enjoyed looking forward to seeing Mr. Ryan on a regular basis. You know, he'd go weekly for a while. And then he was like, I think he's good for, you know, every other week. Okay, cool. I think he's good for once a month. Great. You know, and he just began to see that this is a safe space and that I'm not the enemy. I'm here to help him grow. And so it just, it was a gradual process. Mm. It helped that Mr. Brian would give him things like candy every time he came. I mean, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which he found out were his favorites. Uh, I may have dropped that a little hint. And so, <laughs> you know, having, he could come walking out with a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup or something like that. But, you know, he made it, uh, he made it to where he knew, Jacob knew that Mr. Brian cared. 
He knew that he was listening. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to be accusatory, but he was going to do what he could to help him. And I think, you know, first, boys not have anybody model that, and then a parent comes in and says, you're going to counseling. And we see the stigmas on TV of how it's treated. Right. You know, and let's be honest, it's not treated well you know, from what we see in society and, and television and, and all this kind of thing. So when it's a beautiful thing to go to therapy yeah. and, and, and counseling and, and to get that safe space to know that you can breathe, you can relax, you can share and that this person isn't going to judge you. They're here to help guide you and direct you towards healing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really need when we don't even know that. You know, right. here me, I'm going to therapy thinking there's something wrong with me. And then I feel like I realize, no, you're hurt. You need healing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's okay to be hurt as a guy. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit older than you by a lot. But, uh, you know, boys don't cry. You know, when you're in the 80s, boys don't cry. What are you talking about? Right. You know, be a man. Suck it up, buttercup. You know, those kind of things was what I grew up with. When I played sports, don't rub it. You know, you know, put dirt on it. You know, those kind of things. You didn't show emotion. You didn't emote. You didn't have the freedom to do that because then you were made fun of. Right. You know, and so you had to put on almost this hard exterior, this unapproachableness, which I never melded with because I'm a people person. I love people and I love hearing their stories and I love getting to know who they are and finding out what it is that makes them tick. And uh, I had somebody say, man, so I officiate weddings on the side and they said, this is why we chose you. You were like asking us all kinds of really neat questions. You want to get to know us, you know our story. This is who I was like, that, I, that's just me like I, it's not that I, I'm not doing anything special it's just me and so um, well but, it is special yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. just you yeah it is still special you're right you're right um, I'm still learning don't downplay those gifts baby I know and I'm still learning to accept compliments that's harder it is me. very hard to accept compliments it really it is, is. I, I there's I haven't really come across a person who's sort of unless they're like a re, an actual full blown narcissist like that's a you know, that's a condition. Mm-hmm. Um, they may be a little egocentric, but that that's, you know, we all should have a little ego because we want to believe sure. in ourselves. But I very rarely do I come across a person who's like really good at accepting compliments, right. you know? And so it's, it's all something that we try to deal with right. because we don't want to, you know, we want to express our fullest, best self. And mm-hmm. if that is being able to connect with people and ask questions and be inquisitive, that's special and important. Yeah, and uh, you know that's that's one of the interesting things about dating is like that's who I am. Is I ask people funny, random, different questions to get to know them, and and then you know the lady I'm talking to and kind of dating right now, you know, it's it's very interesting. She'll give me a compliment, and I'm like, okay, thank you. Like I literally have to say like okay, like because my my initial response is ah, stop it. Like no, no. I'm like, no, I need to accept that. This is her point of view. You remember what it was like for you when you were married and you would give your wife a compliment and she downplayed it mm-hmm. all the time. Right. And how did that make me feel as the person giving it? What's wrong with my view? What's wrong with my thought process? What am I not seeing? And, and I'm not being validated in my view, in my opinion. No, this is what they see. They think I'm a wonderful man. Okay. I, I'm not going to downplay it. You know, but I, because I am also very self-deprecating with my humor and everything mm-hmm. about myself. 
again, those exteriors that we do put out because for that, it was another wall as growing up because I was picked on a lot when I was from fourth to eighth grade because I played sports, but none of my friends who I was at school with, I won't say friends, none of the people I went to school with played sports with me in those same leagues, so I didn't have value. I was just that weird kid that liked all kinds of weird stuff. He went to church all the time, and he had buck teeth, you know? And so, many didn't fight back, you know? Because, you know, it was just one of those things. You know, I, I, because I knew, working on a dairy farm with my grandfather in the summers, I knew I was pretty much stronger than a lot of the guys there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was evident one day in eighth grade, they decided, for some time, about a month and a half, two month period, the cool guys would all, like, pile on a guy. They'd tackle him and just, you know, everybody would jump on him. Sure. One day they decided, oh, it's going to be John's turn. And so one guy grabs my leg. I just step out, you know, because, you know, I mean, and then another guy grabs my leg. I step out. One guy, we had these, like, equipment, you know, where you could, like, these outdoor stations to exercise. And one was a bench. The guy gets on the bench and he jumps and he jumps on my shoulder. So with one arm, I grab him and I just throw him like that. <laughs> grab his shirt and do that. And he lands and the air goes out of him and like that when he lands on his back because he didn't know how to flat back bump. Um, that was pretty nice wrestling reference. Thank you. Uh, and so his air goes out. And so at that moment, everybody's like, okay, we're good. Like, so it was done because they're like, oh, wow, he's kind of strong. And then from eighth grade to ninth grade, all of a sudden I decided I want to play football because my parents were pretty protective. They're like, we don't mind if you want to play football, but you have to wait till high school. You're going to be bigger. You're going to be a little bit more developed. Go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. So like, fine. So I start playing football. Now, not only the kids that I go to school with who have been picking on me for four years, but another school come in all together at one school. Now I'm playing football and I hit people real hard. And people are like, oh, wow, okay, he's got some value. We want to be his friend. So maybe he doesn't hit me so hard and they don't realize that I learned you practice how you play. So I'm going to practice, you know, I'm going to practice as hard as I play my game. So there's no easing up. There's no, you could be my friend, but I'm still going to hit you because the whistle's blown. And when the whistle stops, I'm going to stop. Right. But in between those whistles, we're going at it. Sure. You know, baseball, same thing. Catcher, running the bases, hard nose, dirtiest kid in the game in the sense of like when I leave the field, mm-hmm. I literally have every stitch of dirt from all over the infield and behind the backstop all over me. My mom hated it. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, I would come home sometimes and she'd just go outside. Don't even come to the house. And she literally hosed me off because I'm just covered in dirt. It was like a pre-soak for my uniform and for me yeah. before I could walk through the house. And so, you know, it's just as as I develop those things, I've also learned I'm going to church. And then there's a different John because I can't be who I want to be at school. So I build that wall at school. And then when I go to church, I'm a little different. Mm. You know, I'm more, I'm more open. I'm a little bit more accepting. And yet... Now, I've learned that it doesn't matter. Who I am at church or at work or at home, it's the same person. And it's okay to be me. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the one negative, I will say, having done church work for 20 years, is that you don't get an opportunity to be you. You can't show emotion again. You can't be yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a really bad pandemic. That's why... Youth pastors in general last 18 months at a church really? or less. Wow. Because they don't have the, they're not able to be themselves. You, you're fighting against that. 
then in ministry, people last, last in ministry maybe five, ten years at best. Interesting. Because there's no help. There's no mental health aspect. You can't show that. Because if you talk about struggling, well, you can't talk about that. You're a pastor. Mm-hmm. But I'm a human. You know, and you know, I've had guys tell me, "Well, you're divorced now, so you know, you might not be able to do ministry." And I'm like, "But why? Why would I, being divorced, when a woman decided to walk away from our marriage, when I tried to fix it and was doing what I can, why does that negate me? Why is someone who understands hurt and pain not going to be a good person?" to walk others through that kind of stuff. Right. You know, it's just the dichotomy of church sometimes. You really struggle with it. Yeah. And so that's where having this job for the last five years with what I do has been wonderful because one, it opens up the doors to mental health for me, for my son, for everybody. And I've learned a lot about mental health in the last few years. You know, you being involved with that as well. But, you know, it's it's made me go, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm where I'm at. It hasn't changed my faith at all. My faith is still very important to me. I still love all that, but it makes me go, do I want to work for a church again? I don't know if I want to do that again. Yeah. I think I'm called where I'm at right here. When 18, 19, 20-year-old me was like, well, I'll never not work for a church. Hmm. Here I am, 44-year-old me going, I don't know if I want to go back for a church. Right. Because at least with this job, we're working on having where we have access to a therapist. So as counselors, as advocates, as people on our staff, we can go and have therapy and talk about what we're dealing with so that we have that safe place for us, right. for our mental health. Because as you said, it's a very hard job. We need someone that we can trust to talk to and share with what we're dealing with and maybe understand, well, you're, you're doing this or doing that. And, you know, so I don't have friends or people that I unload on, you know, sometimes because you know, it's, it's hard. You know, it really is. What I do is very, very hard. And, but other people's lives are hard. And that's the, the hard aspect of it is like, I don't want to unload on people because I know their life is just as hard. So why would I want to pour more hardness from what I have to deal with Mm. in their life? I'm having to learn that it's okay to what I can share and what I can't share as far as if I want to vent or want to just discuss. That's been a, a very interesting aspect. It's just removed all these walls, all these things that when I grew up with, I had such a preconceived notion and building those barriers. And now those barriers have been removed. And it makes me wonder if I wouldn't have been better off having those barriers removed longer ago. And if I'd have made a difference, but I can't do that. I can only accept what's happened and I can move forward and grow from here right. and know that However much longer I'm here, I'm making a difference. I'm making those changes. I'm doing those things that I'm learning every day, and I'm enjoying the moment. You know, I'm enjoying what's happening. Do I need to plan for the future? Yes. I have things I have to do. I'm an adult. I have to make sure to feed my kid. I have to make sure, oh, I have to see my financial advisor this week. Oh, I have a training uh, I have to take care of. Yes, but it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy the moment. I don't enjoy talking with my friend uh, and sharing what we're dealing with or having that moment where sometimes I just go and I sit at the lake. I don't even have anything on a rod. I'm just casting a rod Mm -hmm. and just enjoying the moment of fishing as the sun sets. That's beautiful. You know, you take that time for you, whatever small thing it is, and you take care of yourself and you enjoy the moment. 
and you bask in the wonder that is life. Mm-hmm. It really is. And whatever you ascribe, a higher being, life, whatever, the universe, whatever that is, enjoy that moment. Enjoy yeah. what that gift is that you've been given. Yeah, I mean, this life is precious and fragile and beautiful. And it's full of unpredictable, sometimes unexplainable experiences that can bring great pain and heartbreak, but also at the exact same time without knowing that pain and heartbreak, the, the, the beautiful, light, magical moments wouldn't be as bright. And I think that's very important to understand. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite unbelievable. Really Life, when you, when you try to think about the totality of it, mm-hmm. um, how it's finite, we're all gonna be gone in, you know, a hundred years from now, who's gonna remember that we existed? So why not do all of the things that light us up, that bring us joy, to create deeper connections, to have relationships that are meaningful and powerful, and that we can share and open up and, and honestly be our authentic, genuine selves, and people are not, not questioning our worth, right? They're celebrating it, they're acknowledging it, they're lifting it up, and that's what I strive for, at least over the last, you know, four years of my life. Um, you know, probably before that, but things were a bit different in my life then. So, but yeah, that's why that's why this this podcast to me is so special because this is all we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Phones are away. Nothing's happening except me and you looking at each other, feeling each other's presence, connecting talking to whoever's listening in a real, like talking directly to you. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so it's, it's amazing. It really is. You know, cause when I recorded that podcast with Donovan, yeah, I did not know that I rec- when I recorded, it would speak directly to you Yeah, <laughs> and it would come out the day before we sat down to speak about this. Yeah. That was episode 133. This is episode 134. Like, you didn't know. You don't know. So anytime you do something or talk to someone or have an experience, you don't know how it's going to impact someone later on. And we spoke about that that earlier about why we matter so deeply. And so yeah. And then back to the point about you know your organization, right? Right. Like all people in the service industry, whether it's social workers, therapists, counselors, teachers, everyone, they all should. There should be like this whole like tree of help like you have this person helps you this person helps you you see this person this person your therapist sees that therapist this counselor sees this counselor and everyone has someone yeah everyone has someone uh and so we all just are like interconnected in this work Mm -hmm. of like trying to give ourselves without giving ourselves too much where we burn out and have extreme exhaustion and then leave the profession right because that happens way too much in sort of all of these domains of mental health advocacy and therapy and youth advocacy and coaching and uh, service work in the ministry, mm-hmm. right? We just give, 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 give because that's what we're driven to. Our heart is driven towards that pursuit. We have this deep passion for it, but then it just becomes too much and we feel like we're buried in the ground. Right. And then we leave the work and we go do like construction or plumbing. Those are amazing jobs also, by the way, right. which are also service driven because you're like literally building and saving people's things. Right. But in a different, in a different sort of domain, and then, but so how can we then prevent that from happening? How can we prevent the, the burnout or the, 
extreme exhaustion. You're going to feel fatigue. You're going to get, you're going to get tired. That's all the time. Just life. Life has been tired. Sometimes you're going to get exhausted, but the extreme one where you're sort of your, your body starts to have these weird ailments and starts to break down in ways that you never expected it because you're not taking care of yourself. Generally, you're not taking your own advice because right. we're really good at that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've mastered it, baby. I've mastered the idea of giving out advice wisdom yeah. insight then I'm like look at my own life I'm like what are you doing bro <laughs> you know what to do yeah. <laughs> you know so we think about it okay so how can I backtrack a little bit how can I do the things that I'm telling other people to do so I can show up as the best version of me to give myself the best version to me and to others right because sure. if I am, am nothing to myself then I can't be anything to anyone either right and so that's really hard it's like a super simple it seems super simple <clears throat> Right, seems super simple, but to like actually apply it and then have it trickle down into all of these industries where you have help, I have help. There's all this sort of help is interconnected, and then we can serve in the best way possible, and then also sit back in our own lives and be like, I know I have the support as well. Mm -hmm. I know I have the support of my people, of this person, of this counselor, of my family, my friends, so then I can go out and do this. And if I take a week off. If I take a month vacation, if I turn my phone off at 6 p.m., if I don't look at my phone till 8 p.m., I know that things are going to be okay. Yeah. You know, but that's a very hard concept because sometimes when you're in this sort of work, you get that call at 2 p.m. or at 2 a.m. Like, I'm in trouble. I need you. I have nowhere else to go. You get that call at 2 a.m. or that text or that email that's like, it's like really fucking important. It like really is. And it needs immediate attention. And then you start to think, well, I'm going to get this sort of message every day. <laughs> so I have to be on call 24 seven. What if this happens? What if I miss it? What if that person's message to me is the last message they ever sent? I have that fear a lot. What if that message is the last one they sent? And I was, I didn't have my phone on and that, that's it. They never sent another message again. That's scary as shit. It is. It's frightening. And sometimes it's hard to go to, it's not sometimes, it's hard to go to sleep. Like when that is on your brain, your, your brain's not going to shut off when that's the thing you're thinking about. Right. So how do we get to the point where we know we're not a 24 seven helpline. We're not a 24 seven hotline. Those exist and they're beautiful and they're available for everyone. So then how do we then re readjust and reframe that we're not going to get that call every night? Yeah. We're not. How can we put our phone away? How can we shut down? How can we have a digital Sabbath? How can we be present with our loved ones, whether it be our son, our partner, our girlfriend, our boyfriend, and be there in the moment? Because that relationship is just as important as any relationship you have with the people that you serve. Yeah. And now I'm just speaking from like things that I'm trying to work out. Uh, but it, it's, it's like a really big deal. Yeah. Because if we can't, we're not, again, theme of the podcast, not going to be perfect at no. it. But if we can get a little bit better at it, then mm -hmm. we're going to get better sleep. Yeah. Because we're able to turn off and shut down and have that away. So we have better sleep. So we wake up more rested and rejuvenated and energized. That means we have more time for our relationships that are important outside of work, which also makes us feel more energized, which makes us feel more supported, which makes us feel more loved, which gives us all this extra energy. Then go do the thing that we love to do potentially, or maybe it's just going fishing. Yeah. Without, without, without bait on the yeah. end because you just love the idea of sitting there peaceful in the moment mm -hmm. enjoying nature right so all of these things are interconnected in such a profound and like really really deep way mm -hmm. and I think people who are like on the outside looking in at sort of these service professions can't really understand the dynamics of it all and what we're actually thinking 
on a 24-7 basis. Right. And I'm not like uh, saying that, uh, I'm not like playing the victim role here because I, I, I chose to get into this work, right? Right. <clears throat> in a way, from an uncontrollable circumstance that happened in my life, then I, I decided to pursue this in a way because I wanted to make the difference mm-hmm. in my own life and in other people's lives. And so I'm just speaking out loud here about sort of what we all can do to help each other out. Sure. Um, what I can do for you, what John can potentially do for Donovan, you know, what we can do for each other and everyone else who, sure. who's listening that's sort of in this, this in the trenches of this work that's trying to serve and, and live out a pursuit and a passion and change one life. Yeah. That's, that's the only goal we have. Yep. I, I feel like everyone I've talked to in this sort of industry is like, I just want to help one person. Mm-hmm. And if one person is impacted, uh, my heart is sword. Yeah. You know, and I think... You know, you feel the same way about that. And here's the maddening part. We may never know it. Absolutely not. You know, and trust me, 20 years of doing ministry and, and doing this kind of work, you may never know the impact you had on someone. It's funny uh, because, you know, uh, there was a kid, I say kid. I mean, he was a kid when I was in ministry back home in Louisiana. Sure. And uh, he moved up here because his uncle had a place and they were doing crawfish bowls and he was helping out at a restaurant. So I go up, I go see them. I knew the uncle, and and I'm like, oh yeah, Daniel's here. And I was like, oh, I'm just hey, Daniel. He's like, all right. And I saw Daniel. Daniel's older brother is a pastor down in Louisiana, bivocational, does fishing tours. I knew the family growing up. We were, we were all tight. Uh, I helped Justin get into ministry. So Daniel, I, when he was when I was in ministry, he was just a punk kid, and he said so. He, he said as much. So I have Jacob with me. We're there, and he comes up. He hugs me, and I'm like. Okay, he goes, man, you just, I can't, you know, I just remember you just, you cared about me, you loved me, you picked me up, I was a snot-nosed kid, I was a punk, and you just showed me love, and man, I just, I just want to tell you how much it impacted me. I'm going, never knew. Whoa, I had never had a clue, and I mean, it floors me every time, Mm -hmm. because that's not the response I'm looking for, it's not what, that's the reaction I want for these kids and that I've made a difference and they've gone on and done something, but it's not, I'm not doing it for the response. I'm not yeah. looking for them to come back and tell me, Mr. John, you were so great. I loved you. You just, you, you just made such a huge difference. That's not what I'm looking for. But, and so when it, when it does happen, it gets like, Oh, and you might not hear it till 15, 20 years down the road. Yeah. You know? And it's just, it, it's like mind blowing sometimes that that happened, that you made that difference. And, you know, that's, it's, it's the weird, that's the high we're kind of searching for, but we're never going to receive, but we do it anyway, because, Hey, we might do, we might get that. Yeah. It might, it might, it might just be that I made a difference and I'll never know. Cool. I'm going to do my thing. You know, and I, I've learned to, you can't do all, you can't be all. Haven't done church work, gotten those 2 a.m. calls, gotten the whatever. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm one person it's like I tell people now, if I'm not taking care of myself, how can I care for others? Right. You know? And it sounds so cliche and it, really it sounds does. so like, duh. Yeah. But it's like really hard. <laughs> Physician heal thyself. It's like right. really hard. Yeah. You know? And it's hard for everyone to know that they deserve to be taken care of. Exactly. Right? You deserve to take care of you. Mm-hmm. You are your own best friend. You are worth your own time, energy, and attention. It's like... Yeah. You know, but if, the, if we can just keep saying it, keep being about it, keep embodying it, then more people will start to realize 
how truly worthy and beautiful and capable they are. Mm-hmm. And then they'll give that energy to themselves. Right. And, they'll, and then, then they'll put that energy out into the world. Mm-hmm. Then everything is, is better. And it's also okay for other people to take care of you. It's okay for other people to treat you. It's okay for right. that. You know, like this weekend, um, we, we stay with an old friend, um, my dad's best friend, his wife. My dad's best friend died um, 13 years ago now. It just still seems like yesterday. But Miss Margie, like, we stayed at her place, hadn't seen her in a while, and her two sons. But like, you know, she was like, well, I'm paying for dinner. I'm, di-. I'm like, Miss Margie, let me do something for you. She goes, no. And I had to accept that. Right. I had to, it's okay. This is what she wants to do. You know, not only did she open up her home to me, but she got some eight bears chickens and she cooked one for some of those. She, we went out to Papacita. She paid for, for lunch. She went and got a pie for us just because she knows we like pie. You know, that's what she wanted to do. And I kept saying, Miss Margie, let me do something for you. No, no. She Venmoed me, you know, money for gas. And I'm like, Miss Marty, you know what? No, no, I'm going to take, okay, you know, because it's, it's, I, I, I'm going to fill up your tank. All right. And so, she, or Zelda, whatever. I'm, sure. not, I'm not super great with the things. But she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just, I, I went in knowing that's kind of who she is, but I just, it's okay for the people to love on you. Right. It's okay for them to bless you. It's okay for them to do that and, and give of that. So, you know, that's that's something I'm I'm learning still as well. It's very hard. You know, it's very, very hard to to do that. So it all it all it all lines up. If we know that we are worthy of our own love, yeah. then we are gonna be receptive and open to other people's love. Right. And it all falls in line. It does. But if you have people in your life who are modeling that behavior then it's easier for them for you to see it within yourself. If you're, if you're sort of, you know, without some strong relationships or strong friendships or a good family dynamic, then you're, you're sort of doing it on your own. That work is still possible. You can still thrive and then create those relationships on your own, but it takes a bit more inventory and deeper work right. than if you're seeing it modeled and then putting it on yourself. But if you then know and you work through all of that, that you're worthy of your own love, you're going to invite in and attract these beautiful relationships that want to give you love, mm-hmm. that want to see you at your best, that want to cheer you on and or pick you up when you're down. They want all of the best things for you. Uh, and they know that the pie is big enough for everybody to eat, speaking of pie. Yeah. And so it's quite amazing. It is. So thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing all that. So let's move on to okay. the topic of the day. The topic of the day. Because we just spent the last, you know, Almost an hour. Just <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. It's kind of, uh, you know, having a great conversation. Yeah. Which is, which is part of the course for this pod. Yeah. Um, but tell me about why February is important and, okay. and what it means to you. Well, February is important because February in 2010, um, the, the United States government designated February as Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Awareness. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a mouthful. It's, it's, it's not. But, um, you know, in order to do that, I, I was not going to use this, but I had printouts and it was going to be awesome. But, um, you know, people don't recognize that teens, when they're dating, they experience violence in their relationships just as much as adults do. Because <laughs> teens are hurt, they're coming from a hurt home, so they're modeling what they know, as we've talked about. Right. So here are just some, um, some 11 facts about teen dating violence that a lot of people probably don't know. Sure. Uh, because, oh, 
the reason why it's important to me because I am a youth advocate out in Parker County. I work for Freedom House. We are the sexual assault and domestic violence agency for Parker County. And my job as a youth advocate, I run the youth program called Crossroads, which you've been great enough to come out, right. do school presentations with me, Absolutely. fun stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. Um, but that's why it's important for me because this is a serious subject that does as we're going to find out, affect kids' mental health in the long run. Uh, last year in 2022 alone, roughly 1.5 million high school boys and girls in the U.S. admitted to be intentionally hit or physically harmed in the last year by someone who they were medically involved with. Mm. Uh, teens who suffer from dating abuse are subject to long-term consequences like alcoholism, eating disorders, thoughts of suicide, and violent behavior. Uh, one in three people will be in an abusive or unhealthy relationship uh, as far as teens go. Uh, 33% of adolescents in America are a victim to sexual abuse, verbal or emotional dating abuse. So all of them, we think of abuse sometimes as you're hitting somebody. Right. That's not always the case. A lot of times it's verbal or even emotional 100%. abuse. Um, in the U.S., 25% of high school girls have been abused physically or sexually. Teen girls who are abused this way are six times more likely to become pregnant or contract a sexually transmitted infection, STI as they're called. Uh, females between the ages of 16 and 24 are roughly three times more likely than the rest of the population to be abused by an intimate partner. Uh, number seven, um, eight states in the United States do not consider a violent dating relationship domestic abuse. This is the big one. Therefore, adolescents, teens, and 20-somethings are unable to apply for a restraining order of protection from the abuser. Wow. Yes. Uh, violent behavior often begins between 6th and 12th grade. 72% of 13 to 14-year-olds are dating. Quote, unquote. 50% mm -hmm. uh, of young people who experience rape or physical suicide or, or, or rape or physical or sexual abuse will attempt to commit suicide. Mm. Uh, only one third of the teens who were involved in an abusive relationship confided in someone about that violence. One third? One third, because of the 1.5 million, only one third of those, because they don't feel like they have a place to go. Right. Uh, and teens who have been abused hesitate to seek help because they do not want to expose themselves or are unaware of the laws surrounding domestic violence. Um, the last one is uh, college women. 70, no, 43% of college women have experienced some form of abuse in a relationship, you know? So it's, it's, it's not something that, no, oh, this is a new thing. This has been around for a very long time. It's just, we're now able to collect stats and bring things forward to make it aware that this is a very serious thing. So much so you can go to the CDC page uh, on the internet and find this under those kind of things that you can get information from. Some of this comes from the CDC. Wow. Some of this comes from that aspect of it. So it's it's definitely an important thing. So with Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, they make it a priority to raise awareness. There's all kinds of Instagram Live events uh, where you can go live and see what you can do. There's an organization called um, Love is Respect. Love is respect. Love is respect, and their website is loveisrespect.org. Loveisrespect.org. And you can go there and find more about it. But they kind of spearhead one of these uh, where the months, you know, theme. And this year is, is called Be About It. Be yeah. About It. Be Love about it. it. It's great. 
right? But then there's some context into that. And, and the first one they want to talk about is be about education, which is what we're doing right now. Right. You want to be about telling people, others about that, uh, how to navigate a healthy relationship, uh, what warning signs to look for. Um, but the biggest one is if you're in a relationship, the biggest one is boundaries. What are your boundaries? Before you begin a relationship, what are your boundaries? Mm -hmm. What is it you will and won't do? What is it you believe and don't believe? What it, those are all important before you begin a dating relationship. Right. Even as a 44-year-old man, as I'm dating, I have to know what I want and don't want, what I can and can't have, and I have to be willing to stick to those things you know, in a dating relationship. Um, and so it's important to have those physical, emotional, and digital boundaries. Yes. You know, those are all extremely important. Um, but like warning signs, what are some ways that you could, you're like, we're having a relationship where you see someone maybe, you're like, eh, eh. first of all, trust your gut. First and foremost, if you think someone's in an abusive relationship, trust your gut. You know, uh, one sign is, you know, they talk about teenagers are attached at the hip. That's not necessarily a good thing. You know, if, if, if uh, you have a, a student who is your child who's in a dating relationship and all of a sudden all their other friends are not coming around and it's only this person that they've been dating and they only spend their time with him and they're always with him, that might be a sign that they're in an abusive relationship. You know, it, I mean, obviously the, the physical aspect, if they come with bruises or covering up things or wearing heavier makeup than normal, those are all signs, but it's... It's the harder part, and we need to act. We need to step in, um, but it's the emotional and the uh, less more so than the, the physical. Mm -hmm. The physical only makes up in dating relationship violence about a third of the of the violence. Everything else is the emotional um, aspect of it, or you know, uh, or even the digital. Those are the big ones that can really, you know, hinder a person. So we have to be aware of those things. We have to see. Like, okay, this, this person, whenever they're with their person, they kind of, they're, they're next to them, but they're shirking away a little bit. That can be a sign. If you feel uncomfortable with something, with how someone is portraying their, when they're in a, in a area of a person, it's okay to go, you know what, that's not right. Find a way to separate. Find a way to ask, hey, are you okay? What's going on? Those are okay things to do without the person present. If they don't feel comfortable leaving that person, that could be a sign. You know, these are all things we have to be aware of. Um, but we need to educate ourselves on, on those kind of things. And what is a healthy relationship? I mean, you know, obviously I don't want anybody to hit me. But, you know, is it okay if I do a good job on something and my spouse or my dating partner doesn't acknowledge that? They just tell me, you suck. Why'd you do that? Mm. And I'm like, I, I did it. I thought I did a good job. No, you missed the spot. You just, you spoke. So why? Why did you even bother to help? Mm. You know? Then is that abuse? You know, is that something? You know, these are things we need to be aware of. And if we have those matters, like, you know what? I'm, I don't appreciate being taught that way. If I didn't do it right, I apologize. I was just trying to do something to help. But if you can't take the help, then, you know. We need to have that discussion. Sure. We need to figure out what it is you want, how I can do it, but I'm not going to be treated or discussed this way. Right. We need to have that. Um, you know, another thing they want is be about engagement. Be about engagement. Engagement is another good one. Um, and it's about that idea of where we're engaging with the people around us. 
a lot of times. I mean, I don't know about you, but me, sometimes I get focused. I get, you know, and I'm not aware of the people around me. I'm not aware of the situations going on, mm. you know, um, to where we might miss a scenario. We might miss something where we could have stepped in. We could have intervened, you know, uh, like here's a good example. Um, you're in the restroom and your friend walks in. They look upset and shocked. They share with you that their partner is pressuring them to have sex, but they aren't ready. Okay, so you're, you, you get that, you're in that situation, guy or girl, doesn't matter. Guys can be pressured into sex too, doesn't matter. What do you do? How do you respond? You're like, ah, just deal with it. Or do you say, uh, I don't know what to do. You know, or, or are you there for that person? Right. Are you able to say something and then be like, if you're not ready, you're not ready. If they can't respect that, then maybe this is a relationship you need to have. You know, and that's going to be hard. Because nobody likes to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah, none of this is easy. It's not easy. But it's important to be aware of it so we can do something about it. Exactly. And so we need to be willing to engage with people around us. We need to be willing to do those things. The next one is be about safety online. Um, It's very interesting. So uh, in a 2020 online abuse and harassment survey, uh, the most common setting for which online harassment occurred was on social media at 70% and via text or other messaging apps at 78%. So it used to, um, when I was in school, I had bullies. I told you from fourth, eighth grade. But when I was at home, I didn't have to worry about it. Right. My bullies were at school. I didn't follow me home. I lived in my house and I did my thing. I went to church. Everything was great. But when I went back to school, it was like, okay, all right. I had a respite. Kids today don't have that respite. You know, and here's the other thing. Guys will pressure girls for nudes and vice versa. And then that is used to hold over them. Mm. Hey, I've got this. If you don't do what I say, right. then I'm going to let other everybody know. And guess what? Sometimes it happens anyway. Right. And um, what people don't recognize in the state of Texas, that is actually a felony. If you distribute, it's considered child pornography by distributing news to other people. So that person who shared it is now under not only violation of that, but of all the other myriad of laws that they've broken as well. Um, but the person initially who gets pressured for it doesn't know that. Uh-huh. And they think, oh, my life is ruined. You know, and there's nothing I can do about it. When, one, again, knowing your boundaries is important. Being able to say, no, this is not my thing. I'm not going to do it. If you can't abide by that, we can't be in a relationship. But if it does happen, know there is recourse for you. You're the victim. You are not the one who's in trouble. You are going to be protected. You're the one who's not in trouble at all. Mm. So that's where, I mean, socially it may be become you know, a thing, but there are things that can be done for the abuser in that aspect. And then the, the last one is be about empowerment. We want to empower everybody to make those things. You know, be say like, I'm going to be for a healthy relationship. I don't want people to treat me this way. I'm going to guard my... I'm going to guard my social media time. I'm going to have some self-care. Mm-hmm. That means I'm going to be okay with um, not dating. I'm going to be okay with, you know, I can I can be single, you know, right. um, because this doesn't match up. Or, you know what, I'm in this dating relationship, and why do we date? Because we're looking to see if this person is going to be the person we want to spend the rest of our lives with. That's how I date anyway. I don't just hop on dates because, eh, whatever. For me, it's intentional. It's a purpose. It's, I want to see if this is the person I can spend the rest of my life with. And if we have that, knowing our boundary, then we go forward knowing, hey, 
if that's the case, then I need to be okay with this isn't working for me. Right. I need to understand that. And if they are truly about you and they understand that, you know, it's okay. Mm. You can be friends. You can walk away. You know, I've, I've had dating relationships with that where I've, I've dated someone that just, it wasn't, sorry, you're not my person. Okay. I understand too. Friends with people still that I dated that we weren't each other's person. We understand that, mm. you know, um, we had some of those same thought processes and mentalities. So it's important for us to understand this is why we do what we do. This is the importance of it. And so we want to, because obviously the numbers have grown in the last 10 years on dating violence and we want to reduce those. And how do we do that? By sharing a message, by teaching people how to do these things. And I mean, I, I know this is pretty truncated, but I like, I mean, I could do a four week, I do a four week lesson on this with my kids at our program. Right. So we're focusing on that, but it's, there's a lot more detail I can get into, sure. but we don't have four weeks. Um, yeah, we just want to make people aware of the situation. Aware of it, exactly. That's what, that's what sort of these months are about, right? Mm-hmm. You have your suicide prevention month, you have your mental health awareness month, you right. have pride month, right? You have all of these months, uh, teen dating violence awareness month, all of these months dedicated to one specific topic so that the other 11 months throughout the year, you're doing the work, right? but you're... Uh, encouraged and made even more aware and shining a very bright light on a subject that may not get enough attention and then trying to right. work on it throughout the year. Yeah, and one, one area I forgot to mention is our friends in the LGBTQ plus community, they experience way more mm. in violence because they're less likely to be able to turn to anyone because maybe they don't, they live in a family who... Uh, know that they're in a dating relationship of however an alternative lifestyle as their families would call it or whatever you know they don't know that so they don't have any clue of how to reach out right and if that's the case uh, one of the great places they can turn to is the Trevor Project yes Uh, trevorproject.org is a great organization we recommend them a lot for me our students we have they come and they can talk to me and all that kind of stuff but we tell them look if you're at a crisis point right now and you can't get a hold of me the Trevor Project. They're, Call them. Yeah. They're a great organization. Amazing organization. They really are. There's there's a lot out there, really. Um, you know, they, and there's a there's actually the LGBT LGBT National Help Center. Mm-hmm. It's another option for them to reach out and find someone who's they're willing to connect to, tell them what's going on, and get them the help they need. Those are both great organizations for our community friends in there who feel like they don't have a place to go, especially as a teenager. If you're not open and out with your family and your parents because they wouldn't understand because that's the biggest part a lot of times with teens is they struggle with their identity and who they are and they can't go to mom and dad yeah you know and that's where our program crossroads comes in it's a safe space for them to come and be who they are you know when they walk in i let them grab a name tag and say put the name you want and put your pronouns that you want doesn't matter what mom and dad say doesn't matter whatever you be you and you be who you want right you know i've had a kid change their name four times and i have to learn the name again and just to be be patient with that but that's okay they are safe enough to know they can walk into that building they know that i'm going to protect them that they're going to be who they're going to be and that there's it's not going to leave that building because everybody in that building knows what's said there stays there and they talk to me about something what's said there stays there because as an advocate, you know, I have privilege. So like I'm, a, I'm like lawyer level shush stuff. 
you can't tell me, you, you can't come and ask me, hey, what about so-and-so? What would they talk about that? I don't know. I can't even confirm that your child's a part of this program, and you know that your child's a part of this program. You know, that's the level of safety I want to provide for these kids. And then they know that, so when they come in, they have their name badges on there. They're able to be themselves. They're able to just relax. And for, you know, a couple of hours, they're able to be them and then talk about themselves. And then we talk about the things that they're dealing with and the resources. If I can't provide them at that moment, where are places we can go? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just a small, and it's Parker County. So there's a, a lot of kids who are struggling. And my goal is to reach more kids because it's, not necessarily an accepting community. It's not necessarily an open community. It's a rural, getting to be West Texas community. And so, therefore, how do we make that aspect? And then some people go, hey, wait, weren't you a minister? Yeah. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, I just remember what Jesus said. He said to love people. You know? You know, I mean, he, he literally broke the scripture down into two things. Hey, love God with all your heart and love people as yourself. You know, love yourself. Or, as I like to put it in modern terms, love people, love God with all your heart and don't be a dick. Perfect. You know, that's how, and that's how we live life. Right. That's how scripture is broken down. You know, even in the Ten Commandments, you look at the first four. The first four are how to deal with God. The last six are how to deal with people. You know, why is that? Because people take more work. Yep. You know, and that, and God knew that. So he's like, Y'all gonna have more harder time with people than you are with me. So here's four how to deal with me. Here's six to deal with everybody else. So love me, don't be a dick. That's the shortest way you can do it. I love it. Yeah. That's gonna be the title of this episode. <laughs> don't, is don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah, I'm down for it. You know. Um, yeah. But any uh, anything else you want to share about the month of February? Uh, so. Uh, you asked about the outfit. Yeah. We're going to bring it back to that. Bring so it. the main thing is the orange, right? Um, I'm wearing orange today. Orange is the color for uh, Teen Dating Rights Awareness Month. Great. Um, February 7th is Wear Orange Day. So that first Tuesday in February, um, what you'll do is you'll wear orange. You take a picture of it, put it on your social media with the hashtag orange for love. Um, with the number four for that and uh, uh, be about it you're, those are your two hashtags they want you it'll be great to add to show that you're supporting teens having a healthy relationship so if you see this and it's before February 7th cool wear your arms wear it put the hashtags out have a lot of fun with it um, I mean I, I've seen people wear all kinds of orange you can be as silly as you want or as subtle as you want but wear some orange to show that teens deserve a healthy relationship. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that, John. You're welcome. Now, one last question. Okay. Before I let you go. Okay. If you were going to put up a billboard, uh-huh. and millions of people would see this billboard, mm-hmm. what would you put on that billboard? You know, I've thought about this a lot because I knew this question was coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and obviously what I just said would be one because I think it would be great. Don't you know, be a dick. Love God and don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, but honestly, um, the more I think about it, the more I think about the universal aspect of it, um, of the message that I would want to get across is, is honestly is love yourself, love others. You know, that's, I think at the end of the day, because we first need to know how to love ourselves. If we can't love ourselves, how can we truly love other people? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's okay to love yourself. It's okay 
as you said, to be a little bit egotistical, to take care of yourself. But yeah, egotistical might have been the wrong word. Yeah, I but, like, like, but like, uh, I think a better way to put it is like an internal trust yeah. in yourself. Yeah. Like an internal, like a real sense of belief in who you are, in your confidence in yourself, in your trust in yourself. And yeah. some people then might perceive that as ego. Right. But you know it's true nature. Right. You still have a great deal of humility to yourself. You're willing to learn and make mistakes, but you know your true nature is, is love. Your right. essence is beautiful. Right. And so I've been thinking about that since I said the ego thing, so I'm yeah. super glad that you brought it back. You knew it. You read yeah, my mind. I did. We're on the same wavelength. We are. We are on the same wavelength. You know, and before we close, I do what I didn't want to say this. Um, the other thing my dad taught me is about legacy and what he wants to leave behind. And so he's very intentional about helping, teaching us how to give. And so... Uh, you know, it, it's important. You know, I've, this 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 year, I've been intentional about on my social media in the mornings after I work out, posting something. My post muscle movement music. Right yeah, over. I love it. You know, uh, it has nothing to do with necessarily working out per se, but when I work out, that's where I clear my head and I get thoughts. And so, um, you know, one of the things is legacy. What are you going to leave? How are you going to make a difference? And I was thinking about that as one of the things as I was thinking about with my post this morning. I was thinking about us knowing where we were going to be meeting today. And four or five years ago, we are at a wrestling show. You still have long hair. You're standing there in your, your gold trunks, and you're telling me about your idea mm-hmm. of you are loved and what it's going to be. And I'm like, that was amazing. That's awesome. I'm going to support you. And that, I think that's great. And I've done what I could. But this year and from this point forward, I'm going to be intentional about it. And with that said, here it is. Uh, put that. You've been sitting on something? I have been sitting on something. I told you the left. You can stand up. Oh, there it is. I told you. Uh, that is for you. It is a check for $1,000 for you are loved. No way. Yes. Uh, what? Yes. So, um, you know, my dad has taught us to give, to give to things that we are passionate about, to things that we feel make a difference and our impact. And so I usually choose, you know, a couple a year. This year I expanded it to five. I have five organizations that I give one, and yours is one of those five. And from this point forward, I'm going to be giving not only in my support and, you know, sharing your stuff and being a part of that aspect, but financially as well. So. Holy cow. Can I give you a hug? Of course, man. Holy shit. Thank you. You're welcome. I just, you know, just to let you know, I'm proud of you. I've seen you these last years the growth you've done and you know I've been with you from behind you day one from when you first talked about this like that's such a great idea yeah and then to be able to to do this is just a pleasure wow this is thank you um <laughs> yeah, this is the blessing part where you just gotta say thank you before I uh I don't know a better way to to close this episode than by saying thank you you're welcome um this means everything to me and yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It was my pleasure, my friend. Proud of you. Mm-hmm. Proud of what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. I got no more words, so I don't know if we're close Might as well just close it out. See you guys time. next time. Thank you for tuning in to that episode. What idea stood out to you the most? What idea resonated with you most deeply? 
What can you take from this episode to make your life or someone else's life just 1% better? And if you enjoyed that episode, please give us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple. But really share this with a friend that you think might really benefit and need this. The absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbits. But most importantly, above all else, please take good care of yourselves and others. Much love. Cheers. See you next time.